You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. This is the only podcast bringing you Warriors content every day, Monday through Friday. And my guest today is Connor Letourneau. We're doing this because it's La Tuesday, and that's what we do here on Locked On Warriors. Of course, you can subscribe, follow the podcast, subscribe on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is off and roaring. It's doing really well, and we've got a bunch of draft coverage for you uh, coming up because we are about a week away, a little bit more than a week away uh, from the NBA draft. And the Warriors have a lot of things that they need to figure out. And so, Connor, wanted to bring you on. We're going to talk about what we're hearing as far as what they might do as far as a trade is concerned, what they might do at number seven, what they might do at number 14. And then, of course, because it's Tuesday, we'll end the show with a little bit of trivia. Uh, but, Connor, first of all, uh, what who stands? what stands out to you the most about this draft? Do you have any favorites? Do you have any particularly hot takes or thoughts about this draft and where the Warriors stand? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting draft because I really like the guys at the top. You know, I really like, I mean, for everyone does for obvious reasons because they're great prospects, but I really like Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. I, 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 I have no doubt that they're going to be great players, and I, I love them for a lot of different reasons. But when you're talking about the Warriors range, I have a harder time finding guys that I love. Um, not to say there isn't talent there, because there will be. Um, I think there's going to be some very good players that come in that range, but they all have holes in their game. They all have certain deficiencies. Some of them are super high upside guys that are hard to project. Um, so I, I feel mixed about almost all of them. Um, I, was trying to be a James Booknight guy there for a while, but I I have reservations. Uh, he's a scorer, but not really much of a shooter. He's just passable defensively. I think the guy that I'm most intrigued by right now, and I'm not saying that the Warriors should take him at number seven, but I'm just super intrigued by, is Josh Giddy out of Australia. Uh, Giddy to me is a really intriguing prospect. He's a guy that I've been looking at more and more. I think he very much is an option for the Warriors at number seven. He's a name that I've heard. And, um, at six foot eight, big oversized playmaker can make every pass on the court, can see the entire court. You think about a guy who can do something for you right away, as far as his playmaking is concerned. And at six, eight, he could finish at the rim quite well. He stacked the box score at that NBL level, 11.7 rebounds, seven assists per game. Um, and then he's got the length to develop into a really good defender, at least a switchable defender. Uh, that shot might come along, but at, at the very least he could be, he might be the best at number seven. He's probably the best passer in the draft, right? He might even just in general be the best passer in the draft. Oh, I mean, his feel for the game, his court vision. I absolutely love it. I'm, and And he was such a phenomenal facilitator at, pretty high level i mean the nbl the australian national basketball league is not the euro league but it's i would say it's a higher level of basketball than even like the pac-12 i mean it's you look at the rosters in that league bunch of guys who were drafted bunch of guys who were you know all conference and power five conferences in college um so the fact that he did that at 18 years old this is a guy who's not turning 19 till october 
I find it very impressive. And I don't know why we're not talking about him more. He also he also is on the Australian national team, which is a pretty impressive thing to do at 18 years old and put up some numbers in exhibition games. Yeah. Um, let's put a pin in Josh Giddy a little bit because I want to talk about him in a minute. Um, you know what? Actually, let's just do this now. Is he an option, do you think, at number seven? And, and, and what are some of the other options that the Warriors are talking about at number seven? I don't think he's a serious option at number seven. I think he is a serious option at number 14. I think that the Warriors are really going to zero in at number seven on someone, if assuming they keep both picks, on someone who can help them right away. And I think, I think Giddy can play a role, but I'm not sure you feel comfortable playing Giddy 20-plus minutes a night as a rookie. Um, I think if, if they take more of a ready-made prospect at seven and he's still available there at 14, I think they'd be very excited to take him at 14. So who are you talking about then at number seven? Who do you think they are talking about at number seven? I mean, the names I've been hearing the most are Davion Mitchell and Booknight, uh, James Booknight. Um, those are both guys that can slide in and, and be immediate rotation pieces. They have different strengths. Mitchell's more of a defender. Booknight's more of a scorer. Um, but I think there's a lot to like about both of them. And, I, I, and another guy I've been hearing a lot um, about is Moses Moody out of Arkansas. Um, but I think, I think all three of those guys that are guys that can come in and help you from day one. And then, you know, there is a possibility that someone like Jonathan Kamingo falls. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of speculation and reports that that's a real possibility. And if he's available at number seven, I think not only do the Warriors have to take a hard look at him, I, I think, they'd be hard pressed not to take him just given his upside, given his skill set, And I do think he's a guy who could help them next season. I don't think he, I, I think he's got a long way to go, but I do think he's talented enough to help them as a rookie. Uh, the thing, so I've heard all the same names you have. I'd throw in Franz Wagner out of Michigan. I think that he's an, also an option there uh, could be even as high as number seven. Uh, but um as far as Kaminga is concerned, I saw him, you know, in mock drafts falling to the Warriors at seven. And I at first just thought it was a bunch of people doing mock drafts, just trying to do something different, you know, because you just do weeks and weeks of mock drafts ever since the lottery. Uh, but then I started asking people around the league a little bit about him, him and whether or not he could fall. And I'll tell you this, there's a growing sentiment around the league that the Thunder could end up going guard at number six. And that's the thing with Oklahoma City. You really never know what they're thinking, what they might be doing. Kaminga, it, it sort of feels like he was made in a lab in Oklahoma City. Like, they love big, raw wings with a bunch of question marks. Like, that's kind of the player that they've gone after over the last few years. But there's a lot of people think that think that they can go guard. James Booknight is a guy who has mocked them in a lot of mock drafts. I've also heard Keon Johnson as a guy that they could like because they love big athletes, right? And that's certainly Keon Johnson, best athlete in the draft. I've heard Davian Mitchell could be an option for them at number six, right? He might not even be there by the time the Warriors are picking at seven. So if that's the case and Kaminga falls to seven, I think you have to take him if you're the Warriors, not just because of the upside, but the value play. I think you can package him in a trade. I think a deal, like if you're the Warriors and you're starting to shop this pick at number seven, that pick being a guy like Kaminga with that kind of upside looks so much better 
than basically any other player that might fall to you at number seven. So I think that could create a pretty enticing package if they were going to try to put those pieces, kind of put all the chips in for some sort of starter caliber player. Um, so I'm with you on Kaminga, and I'm hearing all the same names you are. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't. I think that I think that Mitchell is still probably the leader in the clubhouse if Kaminga doesn't fall. I think if the if the draft were held today, they would take Mitchell. Do you? Are you hearing anything different? Do you have any different opinions on that? No, I I I, I think that's probably the most likely. My understanding is that the front office, the Warriors front office, is mixed on their split on Mitchell. Mm -hmm. There's a vocal contingent that's really high on him that believes he can be super. That believes he's kind of like the next Marcus Smart and can be super helpful long-term and in the immediate term. And then there's another contingent within the Warriors front office that just doesn't believe he has the upside to warrant a top 10 pick. Um, this is a guy who did not measure well at the combine. He does not have a particularly big wingspan. He's not particularly tall. Um, and as good as he was defensively in college, if that's your – if that is your signature skill, that can be tricky sometimes because it's hard sometimes to project how that's going to translate to the NBA. And he's a great on-ball defender, but is he really that great help side defense, which is help side-wise, which is going to be really important in the Warriors system? I'm not sure. And so, um, but I do believe my, and I have not heard this from Bob Myers, but my understanding is I believe that Bob Myers is very high on Mitchell. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, and if you look at Bob Myers' track record, Bob Myers doesn't take a lot of risks. And the safe thing to do would be to take Mitchell. And Bob Myers loves guys who kill the boardroom, right? They love guys who interview well. Mm -hmm. I think James Booknight interviewed, I actually, James Booknight did interview well. His workout went really well with the Warriors on Monday. Uh, but Davion Mitchell, we know, killed that interview. He is that kind of guy. He's got that mentality. And I think that the, him being 22 years old, 23 by opening night, is more of a feature than a bug. I think that's a guy who is mature, knows exactly what he is, and can walk into a locker room with an established hierarchy and hold his own. And I think that matters for this Warriors team that's trying to take a leap in the championship contention next year. Let's talk trades, Connor, because we know that plan A for the Warriors is to try to package these trades and get an immediate contributor. But before we do that... Let's talk about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it can be impossible to stock all the parts you need for a car at a traditional store. So do it easily online at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com instead right now. See all of the parts available for your car or truck and then write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
Back here with Connell Letourneau from the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the Tuesdays. We're talking all things NBA draft. Of course, we have trivia later on. Uh, all right. We talked about the options at number seven. What are you hearing as far as what they want to do as far as packaging these picks in a trade? So I know it's vague and I've gotten, I reported this because this is what I was hearing and I've gotten pushback on it because it is vague. But what I've been hearing is that they would like to package both of these picks for a potential, uh, for a proven NBA player who's entering his prime or in his prime who can be either a fill-in starter or a legitimate bona fide starter for the Warriors long-term. That is what I've heard. Now, people have asked me names. I mean, you'd be as good at coming up with names as me. Uh, I haven't gotten specific names in terms of what they're actually looking at, but that's the the, the category of player that they would be seeking because they know that just packaging those two picks and maybe another piece, maybe even like a Jordan Poole or something like that, that's not going to be enough for like an all-star caliber guy just from a salary standpoint. Right. Um, but they feel like that might be enough to get someone who can be very helpful um, and who they can throw out into the playoffs next season and not have to worry about it. And I think that at this point, barring some crazy turn of events uh, with an all-star becoming available in the near term, that's plan A. So you can pretty easily, I shouldn't say easily, but you can realistically without including Andrew Wiggins, before you get into that $30 million salary, before you include a guy like James Wiseman and his $9 million salary, you can pretty much with the 7th and the 14th picks and a bunch of like, you know, Kevon Looney deal and all these non-guaranteed contracts that they have, you can get between 20 and $23 million. You could stack up those contracts and another team could take that and basically wave all those players, right? Like Alan Smiley, Michael Mulder, Damian Lee, Gary Payton II. Like you could just kind of, but, but you can get up there for salary matching purposes, and the team that takes that can just be like, all right, we don't want any of these guys, let them go, but we got the picks that we wanted, and maybe we got a couple of nice little bit pieces to fill out the rotation and the roster. Um, so this is possible without including Wiggins or even Wiseman for a player who makes upwards of $20 million. They could do that, and that's not including a sign-in trade for Kelly Oubre, which I've been told is very slim chances that that happens. They don't have much traction on anything like that because it's really hard to do that uh after the draft uh, or before the draft i should say you have to do that after the draft um and they might want to move these picks on draft night so um i don't know what players those are is the only problem like i could throw out names at you yeah. but i don't i don't know I mean, there's a lot of players that fit that mold and i've i went on a i went on a, a radio show the other day and the 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 hosts were basically saying that that'd be giving up too much. I'm like, well, you don't even know who the player is, and you don't <laughs> you don't know what the package would be. I mean, well, if you're going to include Wiseman, I'm like, I don't know if they'd include Wiseman. Obviously, if you're going to include Wiseman in a package that includes the seven and fourteen picks, it better be a darn good player. Yeah, borderline all star caliber player. Yeah, um, I I don't think they would package Wiseman for a guy who's just like a potential all a potential starter guy. Right. which is what I'm talking about. Um, maybe pool, maybe pool, but um, yeah, I mean, look, your, our job is to report what we hear to report the conversations we have with people in the know. And that 
is all I was told. Yeah. And so that's all I can give you. We can speculate all day about who those guys would be, and they don't even know who those guys are. They're making the phone calls. Yeah, but they don't They're know making- who the, who the who would make sense that fits that category right now. They're making the calls. They're canvassing the league. They're keeping their options open. My sense is that they're going to end up picking at seven and probably using another pick in the first round. Whether it's, I think they're going to end up keeping both picks. I think they'll end up keeping – my sense is they'll keep both picks. I think there's a but better I just, chance – I just don't think that anything else that makes sense is really going to materialize, and I think they are okay keeping both picks Yeah, if they have to. And if they, they like do this that, draft. If they do that, I think seven is going to be on a guy who can help them right away, and I think 14 is on a guy who is more of an upside play that hopefully is also a guy who can help them right away, but not someone they would necessarily expect to be a key part of the rotation next season. I agree with you, and I think that's a perfect segue to talk about what it is that the Warriors can do at number 14. That's coming up next, but first – Let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs are on, and even though the Warriors aren't a part of it, you can be. Take a look at the spreads, money lines, over unders, and more at Bet Online. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, when you use that promo code locked on, bet online, your online sports book experts. Back here with Connor Letourneau from the San Francisco Chronicle on La Tuesday. We will get to our trivia in a moment. Uh, options at number 14. So we were just talking about what they could do in a trade. Of the two picks, I think there's a better chance that they end up moving 14, maybe in a trade down situation if the player that they want at 14 isn't there and there's going to be some options. And I think there are teams that are looking to move up in this draft. that could package multiple picks or a pick and a player or something like that. Uh, but I agree with you. I do think they end up using both of these picks where they end up at, at seven and 14. I think at number seven, you get a guy who you feel comfortable about being part of your day-to-day rotation. And at number 14, you swing a little bit, right? And you go for the upside play. Yeah. Um, who, who are some of the names uh, that you're hearing at number 14? Well, it's a, it's a tough question because, I mean, I'll be honest, most of the names I've been hearing have to do with seven. And then I, it's not so much, oh, this guy at 14. It's more just like, we like this guy. We like this guy. But there's an understanding that maybe they, they wouldn't take him at seven. So kind of reading between the lines, I'm going to say that they would be possible. A lot of those guys would be possibilities at 14. Um we already talked about him a little bit, but Josh Giddy yeah. out of Australia, I think, is a really intriguing possibility at 14. He might not even be there at 14. It seems like his stock is on the rise. Um, other guys that I am intrigued by, um, I really like uh, Alperin Sengun out of Turkey, but I know at 14 that might be a little bit of a reach. Um, I like Usman Garuba, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, out of Spain. Uh, a defensive-minded big who is already p- playing for the Spanish national team, which is a very good national team at 19 years old in the Olympics right now. Um, I like him. Um, those are definitely two – those are a couple 
more upside type plays. But if you wanted someone who had upside but was a little bit safer pick, um, I like Chris Duarte out of Oregon. Um, I like Nashawn Highland out of VCU. Um, and then, you know, one guy who's the ultimate shooter and I think could play a role next season is Corey Kisper, but I just don't love his upside. Yeah, I think that there's guys with ups. Like, you talk about just the raw players, right? Like, it, look, I'm not going to tell you – I'm not going to say a name that people haven't heard of, but you think about the guys like Keon Johnson, right? I've heard everything from he can go in the top half of the lottery to something or to somewhere in the middle of the first round, depending the on – The only reason I didn't name him was because I really don't think he'll be available at 14. I don't think he'll be there. But yeah. that's, you know, a name. That's kind of a swing guy. You don't really know what he'll do for you right away. Jalen Johnson, similar kind of guy. Warriors brought him in for a workout. Um, questions about what it is that his upside can be. But if he's there at 14, I think they would have to consider him. Jaden Springer, another high upside guy yeah. out of Tennessee. Um, I've heard I've heard Moses Moody talked about. Uh, I don't know how much the Warriors like him. I think he's more of an option at 14 than he is at 7. I, I feel like his stock is starting to slide a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if he was available at 14. If he is available at 14, I think that's good value. Um, I'm not totally sure why he's his stock is sliding. I mean, he, I thought, showed a lot to re- of things that you should really like during his one year at Arkansas. Um, so I don't know. Um, he had a lousy tournament. He didn't play well. Uh, yeah. I think the, and I think people look at the, the wingspan and all that, the seven foot one, seven foot two wingspan and say, oh, this guy's going to be a standout defender. I think it's a little overrated how good he is as a defender, right? He didn't show that kind of like Mikal Bridges type of defense uh, at at Arkansas. And then as a shooter, he's fine, but he's not Corey Kispert. He's not Trey Murphy, right? Like he's a 37% three-point shooter. He's not a 45% three-point shooter. Like he's not right. – like I think all – people are projecting a lot on Moses Moody, and that's why like Warriors Twitter loves Moses Moody. But you actually look at you like and do a little bit of investigation, and he kind of is a little short of everything that people are projecting on him, right? He's not as long as you think he is. He's not as good of a defender as you think he is. He's not as good of a shooter yeah. as people think he is. Uh, that's his biggest problem is I don't think he has like an elite NBA skill. And when you're talking about drafting in the lottery, you need you need to have someone who has at least one skill that you can really hang your hat on. What I like about Moody is that he can't, he is a plug and play option in that you do still trust him to a degree to make open threes, open shots. I just don't think he's doing a lot of creating off the dribble. I don't know that he's even really attacking closeouts all that well. Um, but I think because of his length, he can unlock a lot of interesting lineups. So if he's there, again, if he's there at 14, that's a good value play, right? You could bring him in, and all of a sudden, maybe you could do a Steph, Clay, Moody, Wiggins, Green, small ball unit. Like that works, right? Um, yeah. But I honestly don't know, like, to me, Juan Descano Anderson is a better player than Moses Moody. So, yeah. Um, that's that's also part of it. I, I think that you there there could be an opportunity at 14 to take a swing. And if not, ah. they could do something like a Chris Duarte. The interesting thing about Duarte, or even Kispert, if he's there at 14, um, there are going to be teams trying to move up to get those guys. So if you're the Warriors, you might have an opportunity to move back. Uh, I And like I said, I think you're, you have more of a chance to move back at 14 than you do at 7. Um, I think teams like Houston, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Thunder, 
all those teams either have multiple picks or a pick later in the first round and maybe some role players that they could package to move up to 14. So I think that could be an option for them. Yeah, no, I, I think that I think that they don't want to keep both picks. I mean, and if, if they had to keep one, they would keep seven. Yeah, and that's why you end up, if you're at 14, you maybe take a swing because then you're not expected to play that guy right away. You don't have to. And then instead of trying to add two rookies and Wiseman to the rotation next year, it's Wiseman and maybe more of a ready-made player at seven. And at 14, you get a guy who's a project who you feel comfortable maybe sending to the G League. And, I do, and you can I, do some things there. I do think it's important that they they don't take someone who's a complete project at 14 because they don't have given given their roster and everything like there's just I don't think that they can if you if you draft someone who's a complete project you're going to kind of have an Alan Smiley Gage situation where you know he doesn't play at all and then you know come year 3 it's like well he hasn't done anything in 2 years let's just like let's just give up on him and he might still have NBA potential i'm not saying Smiley Gage does I don't think Smiley Goose does, but that could very well happen if they draft a project at 14, um, given the makeup of their roster right now. Because uh, the I truth don't... is people always draft these guys and say, oh, yeah, he's like two years away, but it's cool. But then two years pass, and then you get anxious, and you're like, oh, he's not, he hasn't done anything yet. And it's like, well, yeah, you knew he wasn't going to do anything yet. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to take a project. At seven or at fourteen, I don't think that they're going to take a guy. Well, like I, think I don't think they're going to take a guy that's like two years away. I don't see Kai Jones as a match. I don't see like a guy like Greg Brown as a, like you know these kinds of players who are labeled as projects who may have all the upside in the world. I, I don't think the Warriors are taking a player that's like that. All right, you ready I for trivia? I'm so ready. This is my favorite thing. Let's do the trivia. All right. So here's I'm still our... trying to atone for last week. Can we recap how the past few weeks have gone? So we've done this now three three weeks prior. This is our fourth week doing this. Um, so the reason we do this, if you're new to this segment, uh, I sit next to Connor at Warriors games on press row, and he has a knack for being able to point at a player and tell me exactly where that player went to school, when what his high school is, how many siblings he has, like what records he owns uh, from high school and college. Like what he's just, he's got an encyclopedic memory for all of these things and it always blows my mind. So I thought, why not bring that to the podcast here? Um, so over the last few weeks, you have, I, be, I think you have a 19 and 15 record and our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm, I believe you're 19 and 15. You missed your first one last week. So you it would be your third week in a row. You missed James Ennis last week. You are still clearly upset about it, and yeah, uh, you, I am. But you got the bonus, so you ended up being five out of five. You missed James Ennis, who's like been a rotation player in the NBA. Yet I got Kirk Felix, who's never been in the NBA. I'm, I'm I, honestly I'm shocked that you forgot James Ennis, and I'm surprised you even remembered that Felix guy's name because I already forgot it. Um, so I've got five for you here with a bonus at the end. Um. The theme, and all of these every week have a theme. So the theme here is we could be seeing the last game of these Phoenix Suns uh, tonight. Uh, they play game six of the finals. Milwaukee's up 3-2. Uh, so I went back to Devin Booker's, and they have come a long way, and their rise to a finals team, even if they lose tonight, has been remarkable. I went all the way back to the 2015-16 Phoenix Suns when Devin Booker was a rookie. 
That team was 23-59, and 59, finished second to last in the Western Conference under Jeff Hornacek. That was when Ryan McDonough, Odyssey uh, NBA expert, was their general manager. Go. And uh, <laughs> uh, that team was full of weird players. Uh, Eric Bledsoe was on that team. Devin Booker was on that team. Tyson Chandler was on that team. Chris Humphreys was on that team. Alex Len was two years into his, um, you know, career, if that's what we want to call it. Uh, I'm not going to ask you about any of those guys. Uh, TJ Warren was a year into his career. I'm not asking you about any of those guys. So I've got I've got five names and then a bonus. So number five, Lorenzo Brown. First of all, we're getting harder, right? It's starting easy yeah, to hard. Five is easy. And- First of all, Lorenzo Brown is not easy. I'm not pulling any punches here. Yeah, you're not kidding. Uh, Lawrence or Brown, NC State. That's right. Lawrence or Brown, NC State. Good job. Uh, John Jenkins. John Jenkins is a uh, is a Vanderbilt guy. That might have been easier than Lorenzo Brown. Lorenzo Brown was hard. Okay. I questioned that one for a second. Bryce Cotton. Bryce Cotton is a Providence guy. That's right. Three for three so far. So to recap, for you at home and everybody, you should be playing along. Lorenzo Brown, NC State, John Jenkins, Vanderbilt, Bryce Cotton went to Providence. Number two. This is where things get hard. Those were pretty hard, actually. This is a weird roster, man. Yeah. Allen with one L, Williams. Oh. Uh, UC Santa Barbara. That's right. Yeah. I like really had to dig into the memory banks on that one, but UC Santa Barbara. I actually kind of liked him. He only played four years in the league. I'm surprised he played that long. I don't think he actually played many games. Uh, a 6'8 power forward. I think that he was just a little too ahead of his time. I think he was a small ball four. I think he would have worked much better in today's game. I think I'm still holding out hope for Allen. GM's listening. Did you know he was UC Santa Barbara guy? No, I had no idea. I just, I remember when he played for Brooklyn for a couple years. Okay. Would have been New Jersey back then? I don't even know. No, it was still, it was Brooklyn back then. Um, all right. This this is the hardest one? Is there a bonus? bonus. Okay. This is actually the hardest one, I think. Six foot five shooting guard, Orlando Johnson. Um, so for some reason I have two schools in mind right now. Well, that's what he, he went to two schools. Um, okay. Well, it's one of these two schools. Cause I'm, I'm getting him from confused with maybe another player. And the player I'm thinking of went to UC Santa Barbara also. But it could be the guy who went to Fresno State. Is it um, Fresno State? No, you had it right there. UC Santa Barbara? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. I was. I threw a curveball at you. you. I knew you wouldn't think I would do two UC Santa Barbara's in a row. <laughs> 
Uh, well, I said you see Santa Barbara first, so I'm going to say you that did. was right. Yeah, I'll give that to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Okay, I was overthinking it because I was like, UC Santa Barbara produces literally zero NBA players. <laughs> what are the odds? And you just happened to say two UC Santa Barbara guys? That was weird. Okay. <laughs> Told you these are getting harder. I did yeah. that on purpose. <laughs> All right. You got him five out of five. I'm giving that to you. Okay. Uh, the bonus. Do you want it or not? You can, you can take I the want bonus. It. You could take the bonus. Or, or you can you could pass up the bonus. Say I went 100%, got a perfect score, five for five, walking away, with my head held high. Or you could take the bonus and risk it all. I'm taking the bonus. I believe in myself. Twelve-year NBA veteran Ronnie Price. But to get this, you have to name both schools. Ronnie Price. Utah Valley State. Utah Valley is one of his schools. Huh. He went to another school. <laughs> he he went to Utah Valley before. Well, that was the last school he went to before he uh, entered the league. So like yeah, that's cool. that's the school that's like known on yeah. you know his bio. So I yep. think I deserve credit for that. Utah Valley, yeah. He went to and then he went school. to a bigger school before that. He went to went one to a school before. Uh, was it like USC or something? Or Nichols, UCLA? Nichols State University. He went to Nichols State. Oh, okay. Thibodeau, Louisiana, as a walk-on to the Colonels basketball team. I know. Who, I know Nichols State, but okay, I, that still counts though. I got the school that was, he was drafted from. Like Utah Valley State. The rules. I can I can tell you I can tell you that uh, he was he played for Utah Valley State in their first year as a Division One program. Right. <laughs> Six out of five for Connor Letourneau on the Tuesdays La Tuesday trivia La trivia. Uh, Connor, congratulations! You are now up to uh, what's nineteen plus six is twenty five out of twenty. Right? You really thought you were going to stump me that time, didn't you? No, I actually thought that the Orlando Johnson one was going to screw you up. And it kind of did. It kind of did. You know what screwed me up was there was like a prospect in the draft named Orlando something last year who was out of Fresno State. But anyway. All right. I'm gonna well, we'll end it there. Good one. job. Uh, thanks to all who were playing along at home. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors on YouTube or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Comment and leave a five-star rating Read my work over at the San Jose Mercury News. Reach me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or uh, find my email, wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. You can, of course, reach Connor at con underscore cron on Twitter. Follow his work over at the San Francisco Chronicle. We're both going to have a ton of draft coverage for you over the next week or so. Now listen to the ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini, and the guy who drafted Orlando Johnson, Ryan McDonough, our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast on the new Odyssey app or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. 
That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Enjoy your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, Connor.